You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. And, Gregor, the division life support, I guess, would be the term you'd use for the Blue Jays with the elimination number at one. But they lead the wild card. Uh, They take three of four from the Yankees, including a big walk-off win on Sunday um, and, and a tough loss on Monday. But it sets up a big, huge series against the Baltimore Orioles here that we'll get into. But I wanted to start with the Yankees series. Uh, they take three of four, as I said. Sunday was a big one because obviously when you're, in a, when you're in a tight situation with a wild card and you get into the late innings and you're able to pull one out in walk-off fashion, does a lot for a team down the stretch, and they did that. Yeah, they did. They really went into that series needing to take three of four, and obviously you'd prefer the four-game sweep, but it was still uh, basically mission accomplished because what it does is coming into this week now sets up a scenario where if the Jays take two or three from Baltimore, uh, they're sitting pretty, and they should be essentially guaranteed of a spot at that point in time. Uh, and they also should have a, you know, a hammer on the uh, home field advantage for the wild card as well. And so that probably still would have been the case, even if they came away with a win on Monday. The goal all along has to be taking two out of three from Baltimore, and if they're able to do that, then then they're sitting in a good spot. And if they lose two of three or if they get swept, then it's a completely different scenario. But um, they kind of control their own destiny at this point in time. And, and at this point in the season, that's really uh, all you can ask for. Now, Sunday's loss was tough for, for different reasons. One, they, they blow a lead in the ninth. That's never good. Uh, bench is clear in the game. Uh, Josh Donaldson was hit early in the game. And then Chase Headley was hit of the Yankees. And then the bench is clear. And then everybody kind of calms down. But then Justin Smoke is hit, and they clear again. It was an ugly situation. And Joaquin Benoit and Devin Travis come out of it with minor injuries as well, which isn't what you want to see at all at this time of the year. Are those guys going to be fine? Yeah, that's, and that's going to be the big question, and we're going to get an answer to that relatively soon. But that obviously shows the pitfalls of getting involved with what the Blue Jays got themselves involved with on Monday night. And, and look, everybody was at fault here. The Blue Jays were at fault. The Yankees were at fault. The umpires were at fault for not uh, issuing warnings a little bit quicker than they did. Um, but the fact of the matter is the Blue Jays really can't afford to, to involve themselves in any of those kind of things at this point in time because what you fear is you fear a couple of things. One is suspensions, first and foremost, and, and that doesn't seem like it's going to be a concern because things didn't escalate to the point where that seems to be a danger. But the other thing is is injuries, and, and the Jays have two guys now who are, who are pivotal members of this team who, who are a bit question mark now going into the final week of the season. If the Jays end up losing Joaquin Benoit long-term, that is a huge, huge blow to that bullpen because um, there's not a lot of depth down there. And the Jays had really found something that they liked with Benoit, Gurley, and Osuna at the back end of that bullpen. Gurley's been struggling a little bit. Benoit has been lights out uh, the entire time. And if you take him away from that equation, um, there's a lot of question marks there. Brett Cecil will have to step up. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the rotation. I don't know if Aaron Sanchez will become a potential possibility down there. Uh, if it's not him, then it'll be whichever of 
Francisco Liriano where Marcus Stroman doesn't get picked for the rotation. And whatever person that is is going to have to eat up some high leverage innings in the bullpen. And, and kind of just like that, the Blue Jays could be scrambling. So obviously they're going to hope that, that Benoit is, is a short-term thing and he's, he's going to be back for the postseason. But at this point in time, it's really anyone's guess as to whether or not that's going to be the case. You mentioned Grilly struggles, and that was the case again on Monday night. He allowed four runs. He's either been very good or he's really had some bad outings along the way, and Monday was one of those. So um, you'd like a little more consistency uh, there from him. Uh, when you look at this series, let's get into this Orioles series a little bit, because when you look at it, you said it, two out of three, and the Orioles and the Blue Jays are kind of home-free in a sense. Um, and when you look at the pitching matchups, they got to kind of like what they see. I mean, tonight it's it's Sanchez against Kevin Gossman. Both those guys have pitched great this season at times. Gossman's been really good lately, but I think the Blue Jays are confident with Sanchez on the hill. Wednesday kind of goes the other way with Chris Tillman going for the Orioles against Francisco Liriano. But then Thursday, you have Marcus Stroman against Ibaldo Jimenez. I think two of those three games, the Blue Jays have to be confident in the pitching matchup. And both these teams are always confident in their lineups. Yeah, exactly. And and to me, that's what separates these two teams right now is, is the starting pitching that the Jays um, get compared to what the Orioles typically get. I mean, the Orioles starting staff has, has done a good job this far in, in order to keep them, the team in games for the most part. And they've kind of turned things around a little bit in the second half. But still, you look at that team and you think of that as kind of their their primary weakness, whereas the Jays, it's, it's really their primary strength. And, um, you know, that that's the case this series. Uh, if these two teams ended up meeting in a wild card game uh, next week, I think that would continue to be the case. I think that's actually kind of an ideal matchup for the Blue Jays. I, I'd much rather take my chances if I'm the Jays uh, versus the Orioles in that one in that one game scenario because of the pitching, as opposed to a, a team like the Tigers, who they could be matched up with again uh, as well. So uh, that's really going to be the interesting thing with this series. I mean, both teams are going to score runs. Obviously, the Jays pitching staff isn't going to be able to completely shut down this lineup, but they just need to do enough. Uh, and then let the bats do their thing against a, a pitching staff that they should match up uh, pretty well against. I mentioned Liriano going against Tillman and the the advantage there being to Baltimore, but Liriano did pitch really well against the Yankees in the last series. Six scoreless innings. He struck out six, allowed just three hits. Um, that That's a great start from a guy that, that Blue Jays brought in, not necessarily expecting to see that good a start from him down the stretch. Yeah, and he's he's really looked great. I mean, three quality starts in a row, uh, and he's just kind of looked electric. He looked like uh, he's looked like the Francisco Liriano of old, and the stuff has always been there. The velocity has always been there. Obviously, this year in Pittsburgh, his big trouble was controlling a lot of that, but. Uh, and we saw some of those issues in, in his first couple outings with the Blue Jays. But the last three, he's really been able to, to kind of turn things around there. And, and, and that gives the Blue Jays a lot of options over this next week. I mean, Marcus Stroman as well has been pitching very, very well in the month of September. He doesn't have a wing to show for it, uh, but it's been quality start after quality start. And so uh, the original line of thinking is that you would have those two guys competing for, for the final rotation spot in the postseason. Uh, we'll have to see if there's any last-minute changes with that because of the Ben injury, but uh, when you're picking between those two guys, you can't really go wrong. You can kind of take a look at matchups and see what you like best, and then if there does need to be some sort of panic move where you, where you do consider uh, Sanchez going to the bullpen or, or something like that, um, you have another quality starting pitcher that's ready to step in into the fold, and uh, that's something not a lot of teams have the luxury of, of having it at this time of year. 
Gregor Jose Bautista has obviously had a difficult season, couple of stints on the DL. He's missed a lot of time, and when he's been in the lineup, it just hasn't been a typical Jose Bautista season. Uh, but the last week, three three homers in the last five games, including some big ones, including one with Kevin Pillar's bat, which is still amazing to me. But uh, he seems to be warming up at the perfect time for this Blue Jays team. Yeah, really, he really is, and, and, and that's kind of – that was kind of the expectation I had for him as soon as he came off the disabled list. You kind of thought he was in the perfect position to finish the, the year strong, and I, I think probably he came back a little bit, uh, probably too soon, although it was understandable why he wanted to get back in the lineup so quick with everything that was at, at stake, but it really took him a couple extra weeks after that, really into mid-September, really, of the last week or so when he's really started to turn things around. And, and yeah, he looks like a completely different hitter right now. I mean, the, the plate discipline never went away. He was still getting on base even when he was struggling, but what he wasn't doing was hitting for any kind of power. I mean, there was a 15 game, 15 game stretch there where I think he had two extra base hits, um, and there was a lot of pitches that he was seeing in the zone that normally uh, you're used to him. You're used to seeing him hit about 450 feet, and for the most part, they were dying on the warning track or even 10 feet uh, in front of that. But but now over the last week and a half. A lot of those pitches he does damage with, he's starting to do damage with again. And, and you saw in the Seattle series, it's not even just the, the mistake pitches that he's hitting out. He hit out a 98-mile-an-hour uh, fastball that was inside, and he was able to, to really show that that bat speed is still there. And, and it, you're right, it's, it's happening at the exact time that the Blue Jays needed to. Um, Josh Donaldson has, has been struggling a little bit. And, uh, they really need someone else to kind of step up. And, and Jose Batista is obviously the type of bat that can carry an offense uh, for several games at a time. And uh, we've seen that lately, and the Blue Jays need that to continue if they're going to get into the postseason and, and then have a deep run after that. One more thing I wanted to touch on with you, Gregor, is the Blue Jays have had a home in Dunedin, Florida, for spring training for some time. And, and I know teams like to stay in that same location because you have fan bases that kind of base their travel on going to the same place. And, hey, people retire to the areas where their teams uh, spend spring training sometimes. So it looks like the Blue Jays are set to do just that as far as Dunedin goes and really lock in long-term in that community. Yeah, it does, and it seems like everything is moving in that direction. Uh, Mike, Mark Shapiro was, was down in Dunedin uh, earlier this week as part of a Blue Jays contingent that, that uh, made its official proposal. Uh, it was part of a community event as well where community members were allowed to, to come in and, and voice concerns if they had any, but uh, talking to Shapiro today, he said that, you know, that wasn't the case. You know, the, the community members that did show up uh, were overwhelming in their support of the Blue Jays and wanting the the, uh, the state and the county to come to some kind of a, agreement. And it does seem like the Blue Jays have done that. Uh, the financial planning is in place. And now because there is government funding, funding involved, it still has to go through a few different levels of approval. Uh, but it does seem like this is almost a foregone conclusion that the Blue Jays are going to be able to lock in for about a 25-year lease. Uh, and that's good news for the organization. That's kind of always been the priority to, to stick around there, and, and I think a lot of the fan base will be happy with that as well. I mean, there was some talk a few years ago during the previous Beeston era of the team moving locations. Uh, those plans fell apart, and I, I think you know the Jays are now kind of finding themselves in an ideal spot where uh, they get to continue calling Ben Eden home, and it's something uh, that everybody liked. The only thing that needed to be done was there needed to be uh, kind of wide-scale renovations, and that's where this funding comes into play. They're going to renovate the stadium. They're going to overhaul the practice facilities, the minor league uh, side of operations as well. It's something the organization really, really needs, and it won't get done for 2017. Uh, it might not get done for 2018, but Shapiro said 
uh, you know, he hopes to have a kind of a renovated facility, renovated stadium at the very least for the 2019 spring training. Great stuff, Gregor. Hopefully next time we speak, we're talking about the Blue Jays in the postseason. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Blue Jays edition for Gregor Chisholm. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.